What is up, everybody? This is Granny Shot. As always, Delco and Don join me today. It's our first episode since Thanksgiving. I know I'm feeling ultra fat right now, still getting over the turkey hangover. I, I don't know how I'm going to get through this today, but I'm going to try. Yeah, you're well, not looking too hot, Ryan. You look great, Ryan. Don't listen to Thank him. you, Delco. Thank you. <laughs> just when just when we thought there we were running behind things to talk about as we're about to start this podcast, huge trade. John Wall for Russell Westbrook, and I think the Rockets get a first round pick. Yeah, it's literally breaking as we log on to record this episode. So we're kind of curveballing the first five minutes here. So I don't think we probably even know most of the details, the the Woj bomb or the sham wow, whichever one you like more literally just dropped so what i can tell is what you said plus the rockets got a first round pick what does it mean (laughs) i don't know i haven't even had enough time to process it um i think one thing we know is that russell westbrook and john wall's contracts are pretty much identical uh and the fact that they go through 2023 and they're pretty much making the exact same amount of money so it's on the surface kind of just looks like a hey let's just try this out instead from both sides. I think this makes the Wizards really competitive in the East. I mean, this, like John Wall. I'm sorry, John with John Wall gone, and now they have Westbrook and Beal. They got Denny coming in as the rookie. They got Bretons coming back. Dude, that, that's like a dangerous, dangerous team to be placed in the lower seeds, which we'll talk about the Hawks later, but like these lower-seeded uh, teams from last year, right? These, these teams fighting for that like 8 through 10, are now super competitive. I love this for the Wizards. Obviously, we know John Wall's a bum. He has, you know, he has potential, but he's never been able to pull through with it. He makes bukus of money, 40 plus mil a year. I like it way more for the Wizards than I do the Rockets. I like it way, way more for the Wizards. I'm not really sure what the Rockets are thinking unless they're saying they're getting ready to to move Harden and and they just thought, hey, we might as well take an extra pick and and see what happens with John Wall. Uh, he had loads of potential. Oh, he, he was a, a very good point guard uh, before the injury. He never was on the level of Russell Westbrook, but he was certainly very good. But after the injury, it's been, what, two years since he's played a basketball game. I just don't see this working out. And in the last episode, I talked a lot how I was sure that the Rockets were going to move at least one of those three. I didn't expect this. I thought they were going to be moving one of those three to get rid of money, not just swap it for a first round pick. So again, like we were talking about last time, not really sure what the Rockets are doing or thinking or what their plan is, but this makes me think that there's more moves to come and that, that they're kind of easing into uh, a potential hardened trade and a, a potential rebuild. Yeah. So again, from my perspective, I really haven't had enough time to, to think about it. One, two, it seems odd that they would be thinking about tanking or even moving hard in and take on a pretty much identical contract with just a first round pick tossed in. Oh, and I have to think they'd probably get more than just one first round pick by moving Westbrook, uh, you know, somewhere else. So I, 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 that, that's interesting. On the surface, to me, it seems like they are just thinking, hey, Westbrook and Harden didn't work. It always kind of felt like a let's just try this out type situation, even when they traded for Westbrook in the first place. And now they're thinking, well, let's let's go and see if Harden and Wall work, right? I, and I have no idea how Wall's going to play, because to your point, he hasn't played in two years. But if he does come back and he plays to the level that he did, which was, you know, multi-year all-star, 23 and 10, uh, I think that 
they'll be just as good as they were last year, I guess, with Westbrook. Uh, but I don't, I don't <laughs> think like, uh, I don't think it tips you, the needle at all. You already backed out of our bet from last episode, and I present the bet again. They will not be as good as they were last year, and since we've since we've last talked about them, they've gotten worse. And I, I don't even think that's that's a question. I, I said if he plays to the level that he did before pre-injury, and I have no clue if that's going to happen or not. He hasn't played basketball in two years. so If he uh, plays to the level or if he plays to his absolute peak? If he plays to the level that he was at prior to the injury, right? which was... It's so obscure. Is it? Yes, I mean, if John Wall is the John Wall that we know, then I think that they will be just as good as when they had Westbrook this year. Westbrook was hurt most of this year. He didn't play that phenomenally. I mean, he put up good numbers, but it's not like it worked. Like, Russell Westbrook and James Harden didn't work. Like, there's no argument there. It did not work. I think that's more on Harden than Westbrook, but I don't want to get lost down the Rockets. The Rockets are kind of boring. I think it's kind of funny that Tommy Shepard gave interviews just two weeks ago, the Wizards GM, talking about how John Wall and Bradley Beal are the two pillars that they're rebuilding the Wizards around. And he's like, me and John talk a lot. Like, we're in good standing he's like he's definitely our future (laughs) yeah psych well i mean i I think he probably didn't expect this trade to be accepted or offered or whatever it was i mean russell westbrook despite what you want to say about his inefficiency i know a lot of people have issues with him he's a former mvp he's a fighter he's an amazing locker room guy from from everything that i have heard and know about him and i think he immediately takes the wizards and puts them into that mid-tier Eastern team range. And I think, I'm not saying they're favorites or they're going to do this, but I think the Wizards with Beal are now in a position to beat anybody in the East. And I think it's a phenomenal move by the Wizards. And I, I just really do not understand it from the Rockets' perspective. It's it's like, do you want to go all in or do you want to prep for the future? This- well, to be clear, I like it for the Wizards also. Yeah. But you can like it for both teams. Right. And that's kind of where I'm leaning right now. It's like from the Rockets, I'm just kind of like, why not? We saw that Westbrook and Harden doesn't really work. Westbrook said he wanted to leave. Right. So let's go get another superstar and so let's keep go James grab, Harden happy. Let's go grab the worst contract. One of the worst contracts in the league. The exact same contract as just, the person that I just, traded. Just to switch it up. Just 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 to switch yeah. it up. Yeah, literally. Why not? I think that also tells you like how there was no market for Westbrook. They got John. What, Wall. That, what does that say about Westbrook? No, that's more timing. With all with all the accolades that Delco just threw at Westbrook, the market for him is not very good. Yeah, I think that's part of timing. But let's let's go on to the Hawks. Let's talk about the East because right, we're going right into the Hawks, which are like almost similar now to the Wizards, where these are now two teams out of nowhere that are going to be pushing the pace in the playoffs. I, I want to yeah, fight Ryan right now. I'm sorry. That <laughs> six through ten seed is getting more and more interesting in the East. I mean, the Pacers are going to fall. I mean, the Pacers are falling out, right? I mean, the Nets coming up now. The Hawks, the Wizards. The Pacers seem like the weakest that made it last year. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, I don't know, and uh, probably the Pacers seem like the weakest one on paper from teams that made the playoffs last year, aside from the Magic. Um, but Ma- Magic are interesting too. They're, I mean, they were they barely scraped in with thirty three wins or a losing record into the playoffs last year, but Jonathan Isaac will be back and he was no, showing a lot of potential. No, he's not. He's there's not, nothing, that's right. he's there's not. nothing yeah, he's interesting out. about the magic this year. At that's all. that's so they're, they're, I forgot about that. You're right. They live well, and die by DJ and now in he's that, gone. In that in that case I think um I think we'll see the magic seriously look into trading Vucevic. 
Potentially, yeah. So so again, like this just news just dropped and we're getting kind of sidetracked with what we we're gonna talk about, but we we intended to talk about the Hawks, and I think this is a good segue into the Hawks, right? Kind of piggybacking off of our last episode where we picked specific teams and talked about some really big free agency moves, the teams that were really active in free agency. And the Hawks, arguably, maybe the most active in terms of moves from a free agency perspective, in terms of sign-in trades, in terms of a lot of people really liked their draft night too. There's no question about it or going all in, right? They had this young core. They've been... I don't know if you want to use the term tanking. They definitely tanked for at least a year, but they've been really throwing their youth on the floor and letting them develop. And they've had a lot of promising youth. You know, everybody knows about Trey Young. You've got John Collins. You've got Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish. You've got a whole bunch of folks down there, right? That 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 are young and can play. And now they add in Capella, who hasn't yet played for the Hawks yet, right? He got traded midseason last year. He'll likely start this season. You add Bogey and you add veterans. You add Rondo, you add Chris Dunn, and you add Gallinari. There's a lot to dissect here and a Spicy. lot to think about. Yeah. The, the thing, I, I think the Gallinari ad and the Bogey ad are the sexiest from the free agency perspective, right? I'm not including Capella because Capella got traded last year. I think those are the sexiest ads, but I think what could end up proving to be maybe the most important ads is the Rondo and Chris Dunn ads. Especially because, Rondo, yeah. The defense. Because of that veteran presence and because of that defense, right? They're really going to need that guard defense and and even just like the mentorship to Trey Young because Trey Young's an incredible talent on the offensive floor. And an incredibly bad defender on the other side of the ball. Yeah, Rondo is going to do wonders for Trey Young. And I think you can play them together. And we saw in L.A. how important Rondo can be in big games. I, I feel like I need to say before I say anything, I'm not a Hawks fan. I'm not I'm not an Atlanta sports fan in general, but this Hawks team has me rosy eyed. I mean, I I said when we were talking about their draft previews that they felt that they already had their guys and they were going to go all in this year. And I think they've done that almost flawlessly in who they've brought in and the fits. And it just seems like they had a blueprint going into this season and they executed upon it perfectly. And from what I'm seeing, they didn't really have to overpay anyone really to do that. So I think they're an absolute lock for the playoffs. They have a lot of really talented guys. You can argue that some of them are a little bit offensive focused. Others are defensive focused and you don't necessarily have those mixed guys. But I, I still think that a lot of these young guys can develop skills on different sides of the ball. And I think you're going to see that this year. And I'm really excited to watch this team. To top it all off, they draft my favorite player in the draft, Onyeka Okongwu. This is going to be my NBA League Pass darling for the upcoming season. I cannot wait to watch this team. Yeah, they're really, really exciting. Um, I love the Bogdan signing. I think he's he's electric. I think that's, a, I mean, an awesome opportunity for them. They kind of took the same approach I was talking about in the last podcast, what the Hornets did with signing Gordon Hayward, although we overpaid him, obviously. Um, yeah, right what next, a deal for Bogdan. 18 yeah, million a year. That's amazing. Ma- massive deal, but they took it. They, they played their cards right. So obviously next year, more uh, free agents available for the cap, but more teams get available cap space. And when you're trying to draw these hot, hot stars to your team, Atlanta is not really a great market to go to, um, right? Similar how Charlotte wasn't a good market to go to. That's why I felt like getting Gordon when they did was almost like a, 
they had to do it to get at least a superstar because they're not going to get it next year. Same thing with Atlanta. Atlanta torched the free agency this year because I feel like, you know, they're all in and this was their chance. I don't think next year they would have had as much wiggle room with bringing in these free agents as as they would next year with all the other teams getting cap space back. So I love what they did. I, I really like Chris Dunn. I think he's actually the best signing for that team. That's probably me as a, a nerd, but I think he just does so much for the def- defense of the Atlanta Hawks, which they are missing completely, especially at that one-two guard play. And uh, not much you can say negatively. It's clear that they're all in. They're going to be in some cap space, questionable areas with, with John Collins signing um, coming up soon that they're going to have to figure out if they want to re-sign him. The following year, I believe it's Trey Young. A lot of money that could be on the books, and it seems like they're all in. It's exciting. I mean, like, you cannot hate what they did, you know? It's, it's a combination of all in with your core and some of the guys who have already proven themselves still, you know, 20 to 23 years old and developing. And you don't even know who, what their ceiling is. So it's, it's a lot of excitement around this team, definitely. But very interested to see the direction they go in with John Collins. They're going to have a big decision to make next year. But it sounds like for this year, for the time being, he's going to be a key part of this team. And he's apparently Gallinari's accepted that he's coming off the bench behind John Collins this year, at least to start the season. So it'll be curious to see how that plays out. And I think a big part of that decision will be on how they perform this year. Yeah, look, I I think it's consensus that the Hawks did really well in free agency. They go from where they were, which was an exciting team to watch, just Trey Young go off along with some of the other young guys and watch them in most cases probably lose to probably making the playoffs, which is a huge leap in one season. I do wonder about John Collins after this season with these signings. Because after this season, they're still going to have some cap room, but they're going to have to make a decision. And the decision is going to be, do we give John Collins money or do we try to lure in somebody else? And I think that's going to be an interesting choice. And I'll I'll, I'll be curious to see what that does, right? Because I I don't know. I think John Collins is one of those guys that's a borderline. Do you give him the the, the max extension off the rookie scale? I'm, I'm just not sure that the Hawks would commit to that with the roster that it seems like they're building right now. So that's one of the things in the future after this season that I'll be looking into and be curious to see what they decide there. Yeah, I, th- I think they're going to keep him. I think John Collins is going to demand a lot of money, but I think he's really growing as a player year after year, and he's proven that he's an offensive star and that he's able to be a, a solid defender. But I, I do think they're going to have to figure out something next year, whether that's moving Clint. I mean, we have no idea how he fits into this offense. And I know he he's like the new kid who might not even, they might already be thinking about how to get rid of him. He's a little bit re- redundant with Collins and Okongwu, but I think they're going to try to keep Collins. I think he's a stud and you can see him developing his outside game as well. So, you're so confident in Okongwu. He hasn't even played an NBA game yet and you're like... Maybe they'll move Capella because they have Okongwu now. Well, they, I, I'm not saying they will. I'm just saying I think drafting Okongwu opens up, uh, gives them a little bit of flexibility on how they want to deal with with that situation. And I know Capella is obviously a much bigger body, but Okongwu can definitely step in and be a strong, versatile center for them uh, potentially as early as this year, but maybe next year to give them some flexibility with whatever they want to do with John Collins. I, I do think they want to keep him. I'm kind of interested to see what Cam Reddish does this year. I am too, because uh, Cam Reddish came on strong towards the end of last season. And uh, that's kind of where I was leading to now as well, is like they've got a, a deep roster here, right? It's so deep, um, yeah. 
I feel like if I were to ask you who your starting five is, we could potentially all have different starting fives. So I'm I'm actually curious. I'm going to put you both on the spot. Who are your starting five for the Hawks this year as the season starts? And I'm actually going to ask the question a little bit differently because I think starting fives is is sometimes pointless. Who are the five that are on the floor at the end of the game in a close game? Damn, I was hoping you were going to leave it at starting five. I don't think starting five matters at all with this team. I think you're going to see different staggered lineups. And to answer your question, Ryan, I think that's going to heavily depend on matchup. I think they're hoping to go into the season with a group of like 10 players they can rely on in crunch time. Yeah, of course, it's going to depend on matchup. But like in, in most cases, right, Who who's who's their best five? I think generally probably Trey with Bogdan at the two. The three is a little bit difficult. I would say either Hunter or Reddish. I'm not sure if either of them have really emerged. I know. See, I I just feel like they're both so similar right now. It just depends on who has a stronger camp. And then from there, uh, John Collins and Capella to start. But I could absolutely see Okongwu taking that spot with his versatility and, and Capella's lack of versatility. It depends. It depends if they're trying to play small ball. That's the thing about their their lineup is they can go small or they can go. I can. Yeah, it's it's interesting. But I probably it's similar. I would definitely have Bogdan. I actually, if we're at the end of the game, I guess it would depend what they need. But I'm probably sliding Chris Dunn in somewhere. I don't DeAndre Hunter and Cam, it depends on De, DeAndre Hunter no way, and Cam Reddish play. I don't know where this is coming from because they need defense. And Don I, loves Chris Dunn. He's a great. Yeah, he's a great get a room defensive specialist. I don't know. Like Cam Reddish was. He is a great defensive specialist. Yeah, I don't know. Mine's pretty clear cut, actually. So I'm, I, I think it's Trey Young. I think it's Bogey. I think it's Reddish. Eventually, this like eventually at the towards the end of the season, I, I have a lot of faith in Reddish being a very, very good player. I think it's Gallinari, and then I think it's either Capella or John Collins, depending on if they want to go small or not. So I, that's where I think they end up going. I, and that can be debated, and obviously it's going to change back and forth as the season goes on and matchups. To your point, Delco. Um, one person that hasn't been brought up is Kevin Werder. Is he done? Is he staying in Atlanta? The the bogey signing has to have him wondering about his future. He'll get in, paid. in Atlanta. I feel like I feel like that's a a little bit of a redundant signing where bogey is just kind of a better Kevin Werder, a more proven Kevin Werder. I see a lot of redundancies there. So I'm sure he'll get minutes. He's definitely a good player, but I could see him as a potential trade piece, or at the very least leaving after his his contract is up they're gonna have to pay him soon atlanta won't pay him yeah i know but uh, that is pretty crazy that i mean he's a he's a good player we not even not even on radar their team is the depth is insane yeah he's not like he's not gonna demand like a ton of money but yeah but he'll, he, he'll think, get more than what he's making now and he'll want uh, he'll want time too. time that i'm not sure he'll he'll be able to get here and I agree, and they have, I don't disagree with any of that. His and contract I think he's a will, solid player. His contract will come up the same time Trey's comes up. It's just it's the timing, not not the fit necessarily. But it's not you, it's me. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, that just shows I, you I, how deep they. I mean, there's it's incredible. Their their twelfth man could potentially be a starter on another team in the East. You know. Yeah, this is where it does, do they have the the top line talent to compete? Like that's the biggest question. Is like, do they have that top line talent to? To push the needle against these heavier stack teams. No. Yeah. See, I don't. I don't think they do either. I think the East has kind of shown that it's whoever shows up. I, Don, you might say that you saw this coming a mile away, but I think if we had this conversation last off season, and you could argue the same thing about the Heat. Like, are they able to step up and compete with the Boston's and the Bucks? And 
I think it it just goes to show it's whoever wants it more, whoever can work together really well. I think there there's questions about, you know, Trey, he's young and he can't play defense, but now they're pulling in guys who have proven that they can win, that they can uh, exceed expectations from like Gallinari and Rondo. I don't know. We'll see. I don't want to count this team out before the season starts because they're so young and who knows what growth they've had in the offseason. But I think they'll be able to go toe to toe with almost anyone in the East. Again, I'm, I'm really excited to watch this team. I think that's a stretch. I think they'll, they can beat anyone on any given night. But, you know, but you can say that about a lot of teams in the league. I think they still are likely in a first round exit. I see them getting probably the sixth seed, I think, in the East right now. And I see them losing in the first round in a, in a tough playoff battle. They're going to really need to build a defensive identity of some sort to to win a playoff series. And I know that's what they're trying to do. But I don't think that just that switch and that culture of a defensive identity happens in one season. Like the Heat had that culture. They had that identity um, that's been there for a long time. And I think that's why it kind of just worked this year. And it seemed like it was out of nowhere. But that's something that the Heat have always had, that identity. And it's it's something that just kind of uh, accelerated with Jimmy Butler on the roster. Yeah, I completely agree with that. But I, I also think that everyone on this roster seems to have a pretty good attitude. And, you know, on top of their offensive capabilities they have last year, they added or they're going to be adding Capella, Rondo, Okongwu, and Dunn. And then I think we're going to see a, a leap defensively from... I either or maybe both cam reddish or deandre hunter so so where, where are they finishing in the east for you I, I would be shocked if they finished below seventh i have them around six but would not wouldn't be surprised if they ended up even higher than that okay so i say six you say six don where are you <laughs> why not six okay so six 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 also comparing the heat i mean eric spolstra goat tier like, I don't know how good Lloyd Pierce is as a coach. I don't know, like, if, you know, I, I need to see him actually take that talent in and work with, I mean, that's a, that's a lot to there's, ask. There's a lot of pressure on him right now, Yeah, right? He he, he was, you know, you go from a, a tanking team where there's literally not really any pressure on you at all. It's just like, hey, play all the young guys and just throw them on the floor together and, you know, watch them lose but develop. It's like, okay, you know, like, I can do that. Uh, but now it's like, okay, now you have to coach these guys really well. Not saying he didn't coach in the past, but... Now you have expectations yeah. and expectations is what makes a coach good or bad. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see there. Agreed. So, and, and speaking of speaking, I know we want to transition, but speaking of the heat and some of these other uh, strong teams in the East, what I think is going to be really interesting is I think people like, like Jimmy Butler, for instance, are going to tear the starting five apart potentially, especially if you have Hunter or, or Dunn on Butler or not, not Dunn, Hunter or Reddish on Butler. But the thing is, Atlanta's bench is going to be almost a, you know, an NBA cal- caliber starting lineup against some of the backups. With- well, I agree, but I think DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish are both going to be very good defenders in the NBA. I think so, too. I'm, I'm talking about this year. Okay. I, I think they're already decent defenders. Oh, I, I totally agree. But I mean, Jimmy Butler is a, a grown ass man who's like looking <laughs> to, to attack a jugular and as good as they are and as high potential as I think they have. They're both still kids, you know what I mean. Who's the Who's the leader? Who's the one Who's the one leader of that squad? Trey Rondo, Rondo, Rondo. Yeah, R- Rondo is the locker room presence, the locker room leader. He He's the leader psychologically on every team he's ever been on. 
I mean, you can you can even you can even make the argument he was the locker room kind of floor general leader for the Lakers this season, right? I mean, I know LeBron's obviously a leader, but Rondo had a huge presence on that team. He did, and, but LeBron and was the leader. Le- LeBron is the leader, but Rondo, from a psychological perspective and like a and like a veteran presence, LeBron has a ton of respect for Rondo and has mentioned it in the past. And all of Rondo's former teammates will say that he has that that quality, and he's one of, if not the smartest player that they've ever played with Ron- in their career. Rondo's like having a, a coach on the court. There's no doubt about that. And he's a fantastic leader and he's going to be, for this team, he's going to be a good leader, a good mentor, a good floor general. I still think it's Trey's team at the end of the day. It, 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 be, it being your team versus being the leader is a different conversation. Just being the best player doesn't make you a leader. So Trey Young is the best player. I do not see leadership qualities in Trey Young. You have to be a better defender in my opinion, to have that level of leadership quality and be able to get in people's faces and say, we got to buckle down and get a fucking stop here. All right. I'm not listening to Trey Young. Tell me that when I'm like, dude, you can't guard anybody. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> when, when he's scoring all your points and he's keeping you in games, I think you can maybe have a, a different attitude, even if you're not. Ka- fit. Kawhi Leonard is the best player on every team he's ever been on, but he is not the leader of the team. I understand that. I think Trey Young is a better leader than Kawhi Leonard. Okay. I think he'll eventually fill a leadership role, but I I don't think it's going to be as a 23-year-old maybe pushing for his first playoff run ever. Well, we'll agree. I think Rondo is absolutely going to have a huge leadership uh, effect on this team, regardless of whatever definition we want to say of who the main leader is. <laughs> you guys should just kiss and make up. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be fun to see. Rondo's awesome, but you're lucky we're social. Kiss, I can make up. You're lucky It'll we're be fun to see. We're social distancing, yeah. Ryan. <laughs> you don't scare me, Delga. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to another team that was a bottom feeding team. However, on the Western Conference, and I think that this team is very similar to the Hawks, and it's the Suns. And you can make a lot of different comparisons between the Hawks and the Suns, and that they have their young-ish superstar that they need to build around. And now they start in this free agency decide, hey, it's time for us to start going all in. Let's add some veteran presence. Let's make the moves for us to make that next push, make the playoffs and start competing. Right. So the Suns, similar to the Hawks, they've got Devin Booker. Devin Booker is obviously a, a, a superstar at this point. I think he's proven that even if just in the bubble, uh, the performances that he put up, I think he was the bubble MVP before the playoffs started. But they go out and they get CP3. They move Oubre. They move Rubio. They move Ty Jerome. They move another young player and Jalen Leck and a first-round pick to the Thunder. And then they end up adding a couple other key additions, one being Jay Crowder. I love that signing. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Another one being Etwan Moore. That's just a one-year deal. I actually like that for them as well. I know it seems kind of meh to a lot of people, but Etwan Moore has been a proven scorer um, for the last several years as well. So the Suns are making moves. Uh, I wouldn't say to the scale that the Hawks are, but they add a superstar in the sense that the Hawks didn't really add a superstar. I love what they're doing. I think they have a the, the team is built around defense and three balls. Like you didn't say that they lost Frank Kaminsky, which was a huge blow. But uh, they're not going to be able to recover from that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think. That's that's life changing. But I mean, I look at this, this roster and it just it's clear that they're it's like it's a three and D team. 
like Ishwan Moore, three specialist, Jay Crowder, three specialist, D specialist. Mikel Bridges turned into a decently nice three point specialist. He's great, great at defense for how young he is. Devin, Bo- I love Mikel Bridges. Yeah, Devin Booker, DeAndre, Ayton. like you, this team is one of the most versatile teams I think in the West, uh, especially just with the the way they're gonna organize that team and play and their style is is super interesting. I I don't think there's anything bad to say about them going to Chris getting in Chris Paul. Um, Kelly Oubre, I think that that loss is going to hurt a little bit. He actually came on a little bit nicely last season, but what they did to fill that role um, and bring on someone like Jay Crowder and again, like Etwan Moore, who's going to fill in nicely. They have a lot of nice pieces. I'm excited to see them for sure. I don't really know how to feel about them. My, my first reaction was positive and looking through the roster. I like a lot of these guys and I know that they went into the bubble and went undefeated. And a lot of people had respect for that and thought that maybe the Suns had just turned a late corner. I think Chris Paul is definitely going to bring an added level of leadership and competitive competitiveness to this team. He's going to take a lot of the ball handling, handling and playmaking pressure off of Devin Booker. But when it's all said and done, I don't think that the Suns are even guaranteed a playoff spot Not this either. year. You're, they're going to be expecting a lot of growth from Aiton that I'm not 100% sure they're going to get, although he has been really strong his rookie and sophomore year. I'm not sure if he's ready for the the big time yet. I'm curious to see how the fit between Chris Paul and Devin Booker will work with Devin working off the ball a little bit more. And I, and I, I also love the Jay signing, of course, but I just I don't see them making a big leap. And I would, I'm, I'm even wondering to myself, is this team better than the OKC team last year with Chris Paul? I don't know. I'm thinking maybe maybe yes, not even. They are. Yes, they are. I mean, Devin Booker is obviously a more exciting scorer, but that OKC team was a lot tougher. And, and you know, Chris Paul is another year older. <laughs> I know we, we say that every year, but he's he's getting on the other side of his 30s now. So it is interesting. And it's not like Chris Paul's replacing some scrub too. you know, Ricky Rubio is a very right. serviceable, solid point guard. So it's not like they had a terrible point guard there that he's replacing. I also love Ubre. I was big on I thought when the Suns traded for Ubre, it was absolute robbery at the time. And I think that, you know, that that is going to hurt them a little bit. Don, you mentioned three and D. I think Ubre is one of the better three and D players, one of the better young three and D players in the league right now. Um, so I thought that was actually surprising that they were willing to get rid of Ubre. Now, I understand them going after Chris Paul, right? They got to keep uh, Booker happy and they got to make the playoffs soon, right? To to keep Booker happy, right? But uh, to Delco's point, I'm not sure it guarantees that they make the playoffs because the West is just absolutely loaded. And CP3 had an amazing year last year. He is getting older, but he also was healthy last year. Right. And he's not usually healthy for an entire season. Right. And losing CP3 for any extended period of time, this season is going to potentially be detrimental to the Suns making the playoffs because even if they do play to their potential, I still think that they hover around three to five games of missing the playoffs if they're at their absolute peak, right? I think for the entirety of the season, they'll probably be within three games of dropping out of the playoffs or around that range. So losing like Chris Paul could be detrimental. You can be in that position as like the four seed in the West where you're three yeah, games exactly. away from missing the playoffs. Yeah. 
Yeah, this uh, if he does, I was just thinking about that. If he does go down, the subs like the the next up one twos are just not they're not cutting it. But this team is literally a three and D team. I didn't see they got Langston Galloway. I just I look at their team. I mean, Car- Cameron Payne would be like their next up if. I guess if CP3 went down, he'd have to play a huge role. He's pretty unproven. He's nice potential, though. Cameron Payne sucks, dude. He's trash. He's, yeah, no. he's awful, he needs, man. Okay. Irrelevant. Okay. <laughs> totally irrelevant. Sure. Um, Cameron Johnson actually had a decent season last season. Cam Johnson's good. Yeah, but it's just it's a 3 and D team. Like, every single player on that team is a defined 3 and D player. Yeah, and that's not going to get it done in the playoffs. I mean, like if if it works out flawlessly, I think they'll be good, right? If Chris Paul plays to the level that he played at last year for the Thunder and doesn't get hurt, and Devin Booker plays at legit superstar level all season long, who let's not forget Devin Booker also gets hurt a lot too. For someone who's young, he sits out quite a lot, and so. And also, just something to think about. I'm not saying I read this or know this or anything, but look at how often AD was missing games on the Pelicans and look at how that shifted a little bit when he went to the Lakers. I think part of it is just when you're young and talented and you're not in a competing roster, you're more likely to sit with some of the ticky-tack injuries that could turn into something bigger. Whereas if you're playing next to Chris Paul or LeBron James and you're actually hoping to compete, maybe you fight through some of those injuries. So, Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, and that's a, that's a fair point, right? I think if they're not going to force Devin Booker out there if he's even got like a small little knack when they're, you know, one of the worst teams in the West, right? For many of the seasons that they were in the past three or four years. So I, I, I think that's a fair point too, but I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about injuries too much because you can be like, oh, you know, if they get injured, they're going to suck. But, but CP3 does have a history of injuries and they get older with this trade and they definitely send young talent away. And the West is just as good. But the West is better than it was last year. Yeah, yeah. And by the three and D stuff, I just mean like, I'm not saying that's going to work. It's just like it's a very defined team that they're going with. It's like it's not multifaceted. It's just like this team is going to rely very heavily on Booker, CP3, and Aiton, and the rest of the guys are three and D. It's just like fill the void and hope that like it's all a bunch. I mean, it's older veterans and then a, a couple guys that like Cam Johnson who are. A little unproven. They're having decent season. I mean, Bridges is probably the best young person they have besides Booker and Aiton. It's just like it's a very defined team. There's not much flexibility outside of what they're going with. Like if it if it doesn't work, it's going to be really bad, you know. So it's like I agree. I I think they're borderline a seed. I don't. Every every team's getting better. Um, besides the Kings. So <laughs> shocker. Has has there ever? at least in the time that we've been alive in the past 30 or so years, been more parity in the NBA. I mean, there's so many good to the, the worst team in, in the West is the Kings who are solid in my opinion. And then after that, it's maybe the T wolves. And then in the East, you have some, some turds, but there's just so much depth and it feels like you could pick out 15 teams with a legit shot this year. It's going to be such a fun year to watch the NBA. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely certainly a lot of parity. And one last thing on the Suns is one I want to I want to know if you guys I want to hear your prediction. Do they make the playoffs? No. So I I think we should do an episode in the future where we do the over unders and see where everyone finishes. But without looking super deep into it, my gut reaction. We're not going to hold you to it. Gut reaction. It's it's no that they're not they're not going to make the playoffs. 
Yeah, I think I think I think CB three gets hurt, or one of one of them gets hurt, and then again they have no they have no wiggle room on that team. They need all superstars to stay healthy. But, but to Ryan's point, even if everyone's completely healthy, and, and let me know when I get past like ten. You got the Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, Rockets. We'll see what they do. Thunder, Jazz, Mavericks, Blazers, Grizzlies. Who knows what's going to happen with the Warriors? You know, we're starting. Grizzly. You have all these teams who are are. Yeah, Shit. the Thunder are going to oh, suck. Yeah, okay, yeah. suck. The Grizzlies are going to fall back this year. Yeah, OKC okay, will suck. I agree. Yeah. The Grizzlies, Grizzlies will go back too. But but you named multiple teams there. There's there's ten. But why are the teams why are the Grizzlies the that can all? Because I think teams like the Suns are going to jump them. Yeah. Okay. But, they, I, I, but the Grizzlies like are going to get better as a whole, though. Yeah. The, yeah. The Grizzlies are going to get better, but but the West is getting better at a faster rate than they're getting better right now. And I think that the Warriors are the obvious team here. Right, the Warriors to me, I think, are gonna make the playoffs, and they're gonna knock somebody out. So I think that the Suns actually will end up making the playoffs. I'll go on record, gut reaction, and don't hold me to this right now because we're gonna have another episode where we do over unders and make our official picks. But I think the Suns will get the eight seed. That's my gut reaction, and one of the teams that I think they do end up pushing out. And again, this is gut reaction is the Blazers. Now, don't hold me to that, but I don't love the Blazers. They always worry me every year, and I think that the, that's one of the teams that the Suns could potentially leap. So um, we'll see if I feel that way in our episode before the season starts when we give our predictions. You couldn't be more wrong. That's a hot take. Yeah, I think there's other teams that were in the playoffs that got worse, but I think... Aside from the aside from the Thunder, which is the obvious one, right? I'm, I'm assuming the Thunder. And right. I don't want to talk too much about this because we're going to do the over-under episode, but... I think the the Nuggets are a sneaky pick to fall hard. I mean, they lost they lost Jerry and Grant. I, I don't know. We'll we'll see. Yeah, that, that's definitely a hot take on the Nuggets. We've got a lot to talk about in future episodes. We'll get into all that, make our predictions. Um, one of the things that we were considering talking about today, but we don't have time. We'll talk about it in the next episode. Is the Warriors? The Warriors are one of those teams that we probably do agree will sneak into the playoffs in the West. Um, they'll definitely be competing for it similar to the way we feel like the Suns will. Um, but we'll see. Tune in next time and we'll we'll get into that. So Ryan, any update on the jingle for us? We're all anxiously awaiting. Yeah, so I've I've been working on it, but it's been, you know, Thanksgiving's taking a lot of my time. I spend about an hour plus a day on it. You guys Obviously. I know I know you heard it a lot. You heard it last time, so you probably figured that. That's it. Um yeah, I know. It, I'm I'm really getting into it, and you know, so I, I don't want to share it today, but I'll definitely have an update, if not a, a finely polished product, by the next episode. That that's a promise, and you guys can hold me to more that. polished, <laughs> more <laughs> polished. I know that's hard to believe, but uh, more to look forward to. So if you don't tune in next week for our our segment on the Warriors and some of the other key moves in free agency, at least tune in for the jingle. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, if you want to hit us up on Twitter, you can hit us up at GrannyMBA or email us GrannyShotMBA at gmail.com. This was a ton of fun today. Thanks for joining us again. This is Granny Shot. Granny Shot.